0: Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Patrick, or Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 96. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta- meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. Um, as well as some background noise, which I don't know if you you can hear of my kids brushing their teeth, getting ready for bed. Um, <laughs> they're loud and, cl- loud and clear in my ears, but uh, <laughs> and a little distracting. Um, but yeah, so this week the new set dropped, so Re- Revelations has dropped. And so we're discussing the new format. It's uh, Thursday, so the format's only been out for a couple days. So this is kind of our first impressions as well as an overview of the new mechanics and some of the themes in the set. And to help Patz and I discuss this, we brought on Who Does That, uh, who you can find in Twitch chat and on Discord and other eternal places. So thank you for coming on Who Does That
1: thanks for having me honored to be here long time listener first time caller.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh hello hats i I forgot to say hello to you too oh that's okay i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're done the three of us um me who has not played the new format and hats who has but didn't prepare and who does that who has combined our powers together and both prepared and played the format. I think we're going to make a great team.
2: Yeah, making up for each other's faults. Avengers (laughs) (laughs) Assemble. I was trying to say flaws and faults at the same time, and you can't. Those letters come in a different order.
1: Whew.
0: All right, so uh, to, as always, the first thing we like to do is uh, plug our patreon over at patreon.com/ farmingeternal where you can um, you can buy food from from my farm as well as support the show um, for as little as a dollar a month you will not get food but you will support the show and you get access to our show notes, recording bloopers. you also nudge us towards patreon goals which we will eventually come up with. And you also get uh, to hear your name on the show. So thank you to Demo, Steve Erlman, Cotillion, Low Key Trickster, Mercurial Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, S Red 0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yist
2: Thank you to you all.
0: Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are thinking of canceling the Patreon, I am back to my non checking ways so you do have here's your opportunity to once again cancel with zero
2: risk that is just a crazy thing to include <laughs> I don't want to don't want to forget to mention that it is a great time to cancel your subscription <laughs> That is just absolute lunacy it's the start of a new set everyone it's chaos <laughs> it is it, it's it's wild there's out there. children <laughs> we're canceling subscriptions <laughs> there's new cards 200 cards hey drafts not cheap i understand i understand oh, yeah. it is you gotta gotta get that fat five thousand gold somehow so speaking of uh your draft week uh, how was yours oh mine was fine i have drafted a little bit i had some scary uh drafts right at the start uh, that just went zero three I've had like three zero threes so you would think that that would have like tanked my rating but nope I don't know what's going on uh, but I've done fine uh, otherwise I'm trying to explore the different possibilities and not just draft the what I the things that I'm pretty sure will work uh, you know I like to be flexible uh, and I don't like to get bored. Um, and there, there seem to be a few good strategies out there, but I haven't quite figured out how to draft all of them. But uh, yeah, it's going, it's going fine. Just had an epic long game against Cassandreth, uh prominent uh, Twitch streamer of Eternal Drafts, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch that at some point just to see what it was like from the other perspective because I think it was one of the most crazy back and forth games i've i've played in eternal Draft, so that's that's nice having an okay time even though the mechanics of this set are super irritating <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right yeah well i think we'll get more into that as the show goes on and uh who does that i heard that you eat, that you've done a few drafts too
1: to piggyback off of what hats was saying i did catch that game in casingous stream so I will <laughs> maybe rewatch that as well I was the one rooting for him to lose because we we <laughs> had a bet on how many wins he would get so look extra trolley in there if you if just excuse that
2: <laughs> from the
1: games from the games I've played so far um, I've been enjoying them I wasn't sure how much I would enjoy stealth but we'll talk more about that later. But um, I've had some success with some kind of aggressive fire, shadow, or um, justice factions, so it's been fun, and uh, just can't wait to get through all of the bot packs and things to get like a really good idea of what the format's going to look like. But it seems at least fun so far, so that's great.
0: Yeah, and to piggyback off of what you said, um, it was kind of interesting. It. Did seem the general consensus, at least on the main Eternal Discord, was that the, at least for drafting bot packs, they seem to have cycled through pretty quickly. People were complaining that after their second or third draft, that the numbers of rares and legendaries really shot down. So that is an encouraging sign that you know they will have flushed through the system a little quicker this time than for uh, the last the previous format so i'm excited for that i have not done very many drafts uh, i have done none of the of exactly the new format i did four drafts in the preview event um which all went well and let me play with the new cards a little bit and even in the preview event uh besides for urza Urza Squadron, the 2 2 with War Crime Valor, it felt like a lot of the set 10 cards were stronger than the set 11 cards. And the sense I've been getting for this new format is that that continues to hold true now, even though the whole set is out. That you kind of, that, that the
2: draft packs have a lot of power to them. I think that speaks to uh, good design in the in the uh, draft packs. For now, um, it it really does feel like you've got four full packs of cards. You're never short on playables, uh, and I prefer that to the to the to the more desert formats where the draft packs aren't very helpful. And um, but yeah, uh, my my good decks definitely have plenty of set eleven cards. But the 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 draft pack stuff is there's a lot of good old classic good draft cards there so yeah. that'll be half of my deck as well which is which is great because then you're just not you're not just relying on the first and fourth packs the way you are in some sub formats yes yeah i guess that I, I,
0: it was interesting uh, preparing for this episode kind of like looking you know looking at all of the commons and uncommons in set 11 i do feel like this is the first set in a few sets where I just, like, wasn't blown away by the power level. Like, I felt like when you looked at set 9 and set 10, you kind of were like, these are really powerful. And because they were so powerful, they sort of dictated the direction of the draft. And I wonder how set 11... Set 11 seems more, like, supplemental feeling than, like, I don't know. I don't know. That was just kind of the sense, sort of looking over this, over all of the cards that I was getting. But we'll see. I haven't played a game. I haven't done a draft yet, so this is just my initial impressions.
1: Right. Yeah, Like I don't see a Siphoner Paladin or a Barricade Basher popping out to me right away. I do think there are going to be some staples here, which we'll yeah. find out as we go. Um, but nothing that, to me, at times seemed oppressive in that formats right maybe not unbalanced but just a little bit just ubiquitous with the format like you just saw them all the time
0: all right and so now we'll move on to card of the week um so who does that you kind of wanted to talk about this kind of exciting cycle here um for your card of the week
1: oh i get to go surprise i wasn't ready
0: (laughs) oh sorry i (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I my trying to
0: shake things up Hats things uh, <laughs> That I, sh- I should Switch back and forth between who goes first so you, gotta, you gotta stay on your toes yeah,
1: <laughs> Who does that? Who does that? Alright, we're going from the bottom To the top, so I'll, I'll start first So I picked Rune of Flame You know, and specifically the Rune Cycle I think, you know It, it will be very useful Obviously paying five In this scenario for a char Is a lot um, but it comes in unde- or it comes in uh, undepleted time, and having an effect with a little bit of a power sink uh, is just a great thing. So you know, no matter the effect, I think all five of them do have a fa- an effect that will be useful at some point in the game. Um, and unlike the ones that transmute, you still get the power. So it is different than some of the old ones that we used to see. So at common uh i'm happy to play some of these off faction if i have a pretty stable power base so uh rune of flame is my pick for that reason and uh i think i'm going to pick these up because like at some point when you're drafting picking up an extra two drop that's going to get cut from your list you might as well just pick a rune so i think i'm going to be playing quite a bit of these
2: Yeah, I agree. I've been uh, I've been picking these whenever there's a pack that uh, where there's nothing exciting, and a lot of the commons in this in set eleven are playable but not exciting. And so just throwing it and and again, you're going to get enough playables because there's plenty of strong cards. So having a part of your power base be also spells is uh, is a really solid way to draft. Uh, Let me just read Rune of Flame aloud for those people who are not familiar with it yet. It says, gain a fire influence. Uh, It comes in depleted, unless you've already played a sigil this game, and has amplify five, play char, uh, which is the spell that does two damage. So that means if you are on five power, uh, then you can use all of your power for that turn to play a char. Um, If you get to 10 power, you can cast it twice. Um, And the other four cast uh, teleport in time uh, to bounce one unit back to, to, to its owner's hand. Uh, chill to stun a unit for Primal. For Justice, gives uh, just, the Justice one gives plus four plus four to a unit, and uh, Shadow uh, gives uh, unblockable and life steal to a unit. They're all good spells. It seems like the Justice one is is the most powerful on its face because it ca- it casts a, th- uh, a a spell that's normally three power, whereas the others are either two or one. Uh, But since you're casting a fast spell that's just a pump spell, usually that just means that you got to jump block it for that turn, so it doesn't have as much of an effect on the game. Um, Yeah. Rune of Flame is probably the strongest one overall because it does go to the face if you need it to and is removal on a permanent basis.
0: Huh. That's interesting because I sort of evaluated them in the opposite. I... I, I kind of feel like Ruin of Flame is the one I'm least excited about currently. And part of that is, I feel like Rune of the, Rune of the Flame feels like the worst top deck to me. Because once you're at five plus power, like a Char does, like Char is a card that's really good in the first few turns of the game and gets a lot less exciting when you, When you can't, when you're not doing other stuff with it, and when and when you have to pay five power for a char, you can't really expect to double spell well. When you like top deck this and try to play this as a char, while the other cards, I I feel like are can be situationally pretty good top decks because they can, like, win the game. Like, you can give... You know, with the Shadow one. Like, that's not a great spell, the Unblockable Lifesteal. But, like, if you have a big unit on the board and you top deck that late game, it can win a game. The same with Teleport. uh, The same with the Stun one. Um, So... (sighs) I don't know. So I just... I guess I'm, I'm interested to see how they play out because... I just feel like paying five for a char, even if it's just using a, a a power slot, is still doesn't seem very impressive to me.
2: It's format dependent. If when you've when you've once you've played the format a little bit, you'll realize that there are a lot of one and two health units that you that you can kill at any time in the game and it's really valuable. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing. Anything that does two damage in this format, even if you're doing it on turn five, is fine.
0: Yeah, I guess I just feel like spending your whole turn five to do that, though, I don't know. I, it just seems still so expensive to me. But
2: The thing is, you don't have to use it. That's the great thing about these things, is that you can play the Rune of Flame and then play a five drop and just not worry about playing the char. Um, it's, and that's true for all of them. Um, But having that flexibility, and then if you don't have anything else to do on turn five, you get to kill something with the char that is otherwise probably going to hurt you somehow, that's what makes it good. But all of the spells are good. I'm not saying any of them are bad. Like the ghost form uh, to to get through lethal damage or teleport or any of them are, are totally fine. I've just found so far that I like Rune of Flame the best.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I think they're all playable, but I like I said, I yeah. I had the my instinct was the opposite where I liked the four others pretty well and then Ruin Ruin of Flame is more of the category like if I it's not like I'm cutting it from my deck, but uh, there are more cards I'm picking above it than the other ones, but I am going to continue to try it out and see how it plays. So. Okey-doke.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I have found Splashing Rune of Trickery, the primal one, in, like, my Reckono deck um, would win some games of just stunning something, right? And paying five to stun something. So just the fact that it has so little downside is what I love about these. Like, they're undisturbed all of the time. And they still give the power, unlike some of those old flexible powers. So that's why I love them for sure.
0: Yeah, the pri- the primal one—that's a card I can get excited about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it is also interesting, like you said, like the splashability of these cards. Because one, uh, to be come in undepleted, all you have to do is ha- play a sigil of any color, and then the amplify is sort of a colorless ability. So it's you're not you don't need to. I mean, I guess you gain it from the card, but it's not like you you need to be a primal deck to play the primal one. So I this splash ability is also an
2: interesting aspect. There's All one right, other... Hats,
0: so what is your card of the week? Uh,
2: uh, my card of the week is... I, I have rarely been this excited about a card because I don't usually get to discover something new about how the game works. Uh, so, uh, but I did with this. Uh, it's Telekinetic Shackles. Uh, which is a one-time fast spell that says prevent all damage an enemy of your choice would deal this turn, and it has amplify three, prevent all damage from another enemy. So on four power, you're preventing damage from two sources, and seven, you're preventing three, uh, etc. So um, this is this probably at at first glance uh, looks a lot like metal which was a one-time uh, fast spell that prevented all damage to uh, a unit of your choice. Uh, but it is a thousand times better than that card, and Metal was already playable. Um, because uh, the way damage is uh, works in Eternal is that it either comes from a unit that's doing damage during combat, or it comes from a player, which means that all damage coming from spells or relics or Relic Weapons is all coming from a player. That means that Telekinetic Shackles cancels Lightning Strike, it cancels uh, uh, Blitz Stone, it cancels, um, let's see, uh, what uh, Rule the Skies, which is the spell that does two damage to any unit or six damage to a flying unit. Uh, it's extremely versatile for a one-power spell. It counters practically anything that your opponent can do and lets you win combat. Uh, and it amplifies for greater effect. So it once I realized that it cancels Lightning Strike, it kind of moved from being like, oh, this is like metal, and I'm probably going to play it once in a while, to, oh great, I get a Telekinetic Shackles in my deck. <laughs> I'm going to win now.
0: So has it moved up? Is it a card you want to play
2: multiples of, or is it a that's a good question. Um, I uh, for now, I'm pretty happy to play two of them, and I feel like I would be clogging up my deck if I played three. So mm-hmm. it is in that weird position where I really want one in my deck, but I'm not. But then uh, it, diminishing returns after that. Um, but I may change my mind and think that it's it's even better than that because there's nothing like being a little ahead in the game and having a telekinetic shackles in your hand. You feel like you can't lose. Yeah
0: all right yeah that's kind of interesting because like you said on on face value this doesn't seem like a super
2: strong card but and of course it doesn't win the game by itself you need a solid deck to and this is sort of the spice on it um it's just it's just very versatile and it does have an amplify so there are still cards that get a little bonus when you amplify you know if you play this while you've got a shock troops on the board then that's good Also, uh, I wanted to mention that all of the runes activate Shock Troops, too, which is (laughs) real annoying if it happens against you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think Telekinetic Shackles kind of plays like hardiness in a way where I think I heard a lot of people undervalue that at the beginning of the format. But then when they're blown out in combat in like one or two different combat interactions, that it, it has a bigger impact than they expected. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I I think the way Hats is talking about it, it seems like he might like it even more than Hardiness, so... I do. Um, Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Well, I'm going to turn it around uh, this week with, I think, a not great card. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. What's that? My card of the week is Reset the Day, which is a seven-time time each player puts their hand into their deck and draws seven cards. And it's an uncommon. I was just wondering if either of you could formulate in your minds a deck where you're like happy to play a reset the day.
1: Who does that? <laughs>
0: uh, and so... you're trying to. You're not like playing for. You're trying to win. You're like, I'm trying to build a deck that gets seven wins.
1: I think that's put it succinctly. There, playing reset the day. Who does that? <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> Especially meant, in draft. I meant that. I meant that. Yeah. No, unplayable. Completely unplayable.
1: It's a play around card in Constructed at best. Like, slow speed, your opponent gets a full hand and all their power before you do. It's just a terrible disadvantage. Like, you would need a deck to really, like, exploit this. No pun intended.
2: And yeah. in, 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 in uh, draft... Uh, there are some like void synergies if you're playing Xenon or something, but this doesn't even discard your hand. It just puts your both players' hands into their deck, so it can't even help you there.
0: Yeah, it, and there's so much less market access. Not, you know, I kind of was like thinking of like big, clunky, uncommon kind of a uh, like uh, what was it called? F- fall from heaven, from the heavens. The yeah, justice board wipe and you're like oh this is not often main deckable but you can put it in the market and maybe it'll do something but there's not only does this not still not do anything from the market but there's also no market access so this just seems like a card that's there to make you unhappy when you open a bad pack
2: uh yeah that's that's pretty much the the long and the short of it it's just an unplayable uncommon yeah
0: Alright, so then we're going to go to our 7-win run breakdown. So this is our, our data collection project we do at Farming Eternal where listeners can send in their 7-win drafts to at gmail.com or post them on the 7-win channel of the Farming Eternal Discord and either export a deck list or any kind of Eternal Warcry link. And then we have a spreadsheet where we collect them all. So The new sets are the best time for this because we put a new spreadsheet. We can see what factions people are winning with. You can see what decks, kind of decks people are winning with. You can look at all the decks, look at all the factions. Um, So this is a great time to draft and then send in your 7-win deck lists. And then you also get a shout-out each week um, for having a 7-win draft. So first off, we have... A few new contributors this week. We have our new patron, Demo, and D. Vinson, both submitted drafts, as well as Frappa, streamer. And then our veteran contributors are Avidnego, Agent Dynamo, Apricot Knight, Avgots, Beard Broken, Cotillion, Psychologist, Darth Herman 2, D Dubs, Alevi, Gata Sujo, Gunner116, Hats on Lamps, Hunky. I'm So Bad, Iplong Node, Jed the Homred, John Avon, Loki Trickster, Meadow, Mercurio Blue, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Patamaru, Raven Dragon, Steve Irwin, Tempest Dragon King, Vader, who does that, and Zelda 65. We didn't have any, um, we didn't read any names for our spoiler episodes, so this is two weeks a list, so thank you everyone who took the time to submit lists, and like I said earlier, Uh, We'd really love to have you send in your draft list because it's always uh, great at the start of a new format for everyone to be able to look at each other's drafts and learn from each other. But on to our main topic. Um, So we're just going to start. I think the flow of this is we're going to go over the new mechanics, a couple of the themes. And then um, I thought a good place to sort of uh, be stepping stone for some discussions about the format is to just look over the uh the two color of the two color pair commons and uncommons so there's 10 um two color commons and 10 two color uncommons sort of which one would hope would sort of be a guiding hand in the direction that these color pairs want to go so we'll see how that goes and then uh some final thoughts and a list of our top commons and uncommons for each color. So that sounds to great. start with, uh, there are two new mechanics in, in this set in Revelations. The first one is Valor. And what Valor does is uh, units have Valor and when a unit with Valor attacks, if they are blocked by a unit they gain plus one, plus one. And they gain an additional plus one, plus one for each additional unit that blocks them. So One of the cards, um, uh, a Justice Common is Urza Squadron. And it is a 2-2 with Valor and Warcry. So when it attacks, it attacks as a 2-2 with Warcry. If it's blocked by one unit, it becomes a 3-3. If it's blocked by two units, it becomes a 4-4. And all the Valor cards are in uh, Fire Time and Justice Colors, at least at the Common and Uncommon level so uh hats any any thoughts about valor's
2: mechanic and how it plays um it's uh it's pretty annoying uh (laughs) because it means that uh it means that it's it 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 decreases the number of ways you can defend against uh, a lot of units um you can't you can't you, you don't have the option to double block uh with with um, one unit and a one-one because that doesn't do anything. Uh, you can double block still if you're if if the second unit is contributing more than than one-one worth worth of uh, body. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it makes it uh, it makes it a very um, it makes it feel like a very aggressive format uh, since since blocking takes up so many of your resources. Um, and it also means that blocking is um, that that units are better at defense if they have high strength as opposed to high health. Like in previous formats without valor, if somebody was attacking with their two two, you wanted to have a two three to block it and survive. You can't block a two two with valor with a two three; it gets eaten. You would much rather have a three one in that case. There aren't a lot of three ones for two. There are they do exist. They uh, it's like fire has a common three one, Um, but uh, there there's not a lot of them. And there's almost an insulting uh, two, three at common injustice (laughs) that seems to be there just to not be able to block Earth's squadron. Um, It's uh, that that's really uh, it depends a lot. How good valor feels depends on a lot on what other commons there are to deal with the common valor units, and one of the reasons Ursus Squadron feels like it's so dominant is that uh, there's hardly anything that can block it equally. Um, at at cost two, you you have to put you have to play something at cost three, and that feels it feels bad to block a two drop with a three drop, and it gets a warcry bonus. Um, so right now, I'm not a big fan of Valor as a mechanic. I will, of course, pick and play the Valor cards because they do tend to be pretty hard to stop. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just another sort of pro-attacking mechanic. Uh, and the, Eternal is is generally pretty good about including pro-attacking mechanics so that games don't last forever in general. Um uh, but this one is particularly frustrating, uh, just because uh, it means it's so much harder to use units as a defense against a strong aggressive deck.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting how it's played out for me. Um, I think one of the things with Valor is um, is that, like, I, I think Urza's Squadron is like a a special case because it has the war cry on top of on top of it but but i've been very surprised with like just how much worse like a battle elite is Battlewise elite is sort of the the time to drop it's a two two it gains uh two health and it has valor yeah and when i looked at that card before i really played it i just kind of automatically added the plus one, plus one for Valor to all the unit stats. So I was like, oh, sweet. This is like uh, a Longhorn. You know, it's a two-cost, three-three. It's going to be, like, super aggressive. We're going to kill the enemy quickly. And then what I quickly learned is, like, your opponent doesn't really need to block a two-two because with Valor, because if it's not doing anything else... It's just dealing two damage, and if they don't block it, it doesn't get any bigger.
2: Um, yeah, that's so, that's true for the two two because that is a card with an identity crisis, because it, it it gets it gains you two two health when it comes into play, but then it has an aggressive attacking ability. So what is it for? I don't know. <laughs> it's just not a great common. Yeah, no, it's
0: not. But I guess that's what I mean is like. Valor doesn't necessarily make a card a great common. You know, I think the the fire one also is kind of interesting as the two costs 3 one with Valor because it attacks and it gets bigger but it's everything still trades for it and it never damages the opponent for four.
2: No, but if it did that would be insane. Because it would be a two-cost card that damages for four. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Valor kinda it, it pushes an aggressive kind of like theme to this set. Um, you know, we'll get into the other mechanics, but Valor itself, like it rewards you for attacking. Like they say math is for blockers, and now I guess value is for attackers if you've got Valor. Because if you're playing time and you you play that two, two for two gain life and you're not attacking with it then you've just got a grizzly bears right <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's definitely not value in doing that so it, it definitely rewards aggressive uh decks and, and an aggressive play so i mean i agree with that it's like i'm not sure how good valor is f- like for the format and what it's going to do to like the speed of the decks um i think not every deck wants valor um, but I'm definitely going to, if I want to play an aggressive deck, going to pick the Valor units. Um, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting mechanic, so definitely we'll have fun with it. I'm not sure what it's going to do for you know, versus mid-range versus control decks, like, in the long run.
0: hmm Yeah. All right, and then our next new mechanic is Stealth. And Stealth is a... a kind of complicated mechanic and when a unit has stealth they only come in two varieties there's a three cost variety and a five cost variety and so when a when an opponent plays a unit with stealth it comes down as a unit where you don't know its attack or power or its text box or the name of the unit you just know that it costs three or it costs five and then uh a unit that is stealth will reveal itself if it's about to do damage, about to take damage, or was the target of a spell or ability or like a weapon or other card. And then it'll kind of reveal itself and you'll, you'll see what the actual card was. Um, The other rule that they outlined um, is that, For the three cost stealth units, they will never have more than sort of six total stats. So never be additively be more than a three, three, though there are stealth cards that are like a four, two, for example. Um, So it doesn't mean that you will never trade if you block a a three cost stealth unit with a three three. It just means that they won't, they will never eat
2: a a a three three unit. Yeah, I think the rule is that, um, is that uh a, is that a a three cost stealth unit can't eat a three three, and a five cost unit can't eat a five five. Yes. Yes,
0: but it doesn't mean that you will eat them necessarily if you play a four four or six six respectively which is uh which is makes it uh uh, so there's a lot of unknowns so uh hats uh, i know i talked we i talked before with who does that you're the only person that played with sort of the analogous mechanic in magic the gathering called morph so you have maybe the most experience
2: with um Yeah, I was drafting when they introduced Morph. I know they've used it again since um, and kind of corrected some of the problems that there were with it. Uh, Morph um, uh, operated slightly differently. Um, If a creature creature had Morph, you you could play it um, face down, basically, um, as a a 2-2. um, that had no characteristics, and it cost three. And then if you wanted to turn it into a, its, uh, it's face-up morph uh, um, side, then you had to pay a cost and flip it. I don't think that this was at the point when you were physically flipping cards over. Double-sided cards came later. Um, but it felt like that. That was basically the idea as you were playing them. Uh, essentially blank and then turning them over. So Eternal is different in the sense that the stealth unit has all of its characteristics, your opponent just can't see them. Whereas Morph, uh, the unit was specifically a 2-2 until you were able to flip it over. And most Morph units required spending some mana on them to flip them, uh, except that there were a couple that you could flip for free by, like, discarding a card or some other thing. Uh, And those were real mean. Yes. Um, so, uh,
0: what's your uh, who does that? What's your impression of stealth so far in the format?
1: So, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, it is a lot of homework for me. Like, I already didn't want to learn all the fast spells and look for pauses and figure out what my opponent might have. So stealth, to me, adds a lot of work to... Just now, I need to know what stealth what stealth units they could have, and like what effects they could have when they flip it over. So that part's a little annoying to me. Um, it does add a lot of excitement and a lot of variability to the draft. So maybe it'll just be interesting enough to be fun. Um, also, I think it's just going to gum up our three drop and five drop slots in our deck. So it it kind of makes me want to draft more two and four. Uh, drop units or spells um, so that my curve isn't just completely out of whack. So uh, it affects the game in a couple of really interesting ways. Um, You know, I'm interested to play with it. I just don't know how much work I want to do, like playing the detective in these games. So that's... that's.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the filling up your three and five drops spot. I do feel like this is kind of the the, the main me- the big mechanic of the set. It's in every single color. Um, there are 16 commons that have stealth. There are 15 uncommons. There are three factionless stealth cards. Um, the, one interesting thing is there's a bunch of stealth payoffs, and those are mostly in Time Primal Shadow, which also do have the most um, primal or the most stealth cards. Um, there are two one-drops at common that sort of quote-unquote pay you off for stealth. There's Cloaked Guide, which is a one-time 1-1 with flying your units with stealth cost 1-less. And then Rooted Observer, which is a one-cost primal 1-1, that says ultimate when you play a unit with stealth, rooted observer gets plus two, plus two. Um, of these, rooted observers, kind of interesting to me because that seems like it will be a pretty easy thing to trigger um, as compared to cloak guide. I don't know how much the cost one less really matters in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then the other thing like we, mentioned with the the rules of stealth not being able to eat a three three if you're a three cost uh, stealth unit and a five five um there's only two three cost common stealth units that can kill an x4 so most of them have three attack or less and there's only one uncommon that can so in general blocking um a three cost stealth unit with an x4 will it will mostly leave your unit intact in the end of that fight, except for three cards in common and uncommon. And then, actually, there aren't that many five-cost stealth units, and only two of them really can kill an X5 or bigger at all. A lot of the five-cost stealth units are like 4-4s and stuff, so like a 5-5 will cleanly kill most of them. Uh, There's Glowing Sludge, which uh, re- which is uh, the five cost time uh, stealth unit that's a 1-1, one, one, but then it gains plus four, plus four for each turn that it stealths. So that can grow incredibly large, but if your opponent can unstealth it the first turn, then it's just going to be a 1-1. One, one. And then there's Toxic Cloud, which is the five cost shadow stealth card um, that is a, I think it's a 2-2, but it has Deadly, so it can kill anything. Um, And then there's one final little twist to stealth, and that is there's an ability called Intrigue, which some 3-cost stealth cards have, and all of them are Intrigue 2, and what that means is if you have... Like, if you play a 3-cost stealth unit with Intrigue 2, and you have 5 open power, you... You're forced to use all five p- power and then you gain the intrigue two bonus. So, one example there's only three intrigue cards, and two of them are in primal and one is colorless. They don't actually seem that great at common and uncommon, but the one example is Rolling Fog, which is a three primal, two three with stealth and has intrigue two plus one plus one. So, if you have three open power, it's a two three with stealth. And if you have five open power, it is a three-four with stealth.
2: I should just say that there is a rare and a, a legendary that also have intrigue, so you won't see them very often, but they do exist.
0: Yeah, sorry, so that's what I meant. I was, well, all my numbers are for the commons and uncommons.
2: Yeah, so there Fair are a,
0: a, a few other cards that do have intrigue, and I'm sure there are a few. Uh, I'm sure the rare and <laughs> legendary stealth units are much more likely to eat your X-Fives um, well, or you know, trade with your X-Fives. Well,
2: it's it's the value of Intrigue is more that your opponent can't tell that you've played a three-cost with Intrigue. They think that you, caught, they, that you played a five-cost um, stealth card. So you can just sort of surprise them a little sometimes.
0: Yes. The weird part with that, though, is like, how are you surprised? You're like... It's like a pleasant like with rolling fog, it's a pleasant surprise. It's that they're,
2: they're, using, they're gonna use resources as though you played a, like a, a five cost stealth card and they maybe they'll use those resources on a three four rolling fog instead. Oh. Uh, that's the value of stealth in general is that the your opponent may use their resources inefficiently or incorrectly because they, you know, guessed what you played wrong Yeah,
0: yeah i think that maybe the reason i don't understand this concept is because i i'm kind of like who does this i'm gonna like call my opponent every single time and then i'm gonna be like oh no i don't know what their five their five cost stealth unit is i hope it doesn't blow me out i hope it's not the the one with quick draw or whatever and then i'm like oh it was a rolling fog that's great
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, gonna, I, I, <laughs> I guess so. I just, I think that's. I think you're really counting on your opponent to be bad. <laughs>
0: well, I don't expect anyone to be playing this, but I would be like,
1: man, here I was sweating bullets, and it was only on rolling fog. I mean, there, there's some benefit to bluffing, I guess, but I'm definitely going to treat this the way I treat fast spells—is like make them have it, <laughs> and just like deal with the consequences like you can't just live in fear plus a lot of these stealth units I don't know about a lot cuz I didn't do the stats but maybe Petra. um there's a lot of like hit enemy face and then get a, an added bonus and stuff right um or if you don't uncover it before the beginning of their next turn they get an an extra thing so so I think you know I'll I'll go after these stealth units aggressively um one of the other things I wanted to mention is that they carry buffs invisibly. So war cries and things like watchwing support and retrofitted sentinels effect, the the new red fire sentinel that can buff the top unit or weapon of your deck by plus two plus two. So these stealth cards can be bigger than your ex based off of that. And that's kind of one of the more interesting things about stealth, I think. Although also one of the more annoying things like you don't know if they warcry their stealth unit, and you're just like blocking stupidly.
2: <laughs> yes. And there are a lot of warcry effects in this set. So, and I, I think that's on purpose to make the stealth cards a little more interesting.
0: Yes. Because I, I, again, I, I haven't played with a mechanic like this. I would say if a, most of the cards that have stealth, if they didn't have stealth, would be pretty underwhelming as units. Um, so I you need to be getting a the stealth needs to be adding, I think a whole bunch of value for them to be good cards.
2: Yeah, well, you'll see when we get to uh, our favorite time commons how much I think stealth adds to a card. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, and I and I I like you said the 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 buffs and stuff I think is a really interesting angle. Uh, with stealth and I think a way to really make the most out of out of the mechanic. Um, uh, one final sort of theme that we wanted to talk about that's sort of in-your-face in obvious, this is what these colors are kind of doing, is a bunch of cards say, when you attack with exactly two units, get a bonus of some sort. Yeah, so an example of this is like Staunch Protector, which is a four-cost, three-four, uh, injustice, and it says when you attack with exactly two units, give um, they gain endurance. And so, what's interesting with this these cards is two things: is first, they count themselves in the two units if you attack with them, or uh, some of them. Like there's a few smaller ones. Like there's a primal one, a two-cost one-two that gives. Two of your units, uh, two two attacking units, two health. You know that can sit back while you attack with two units, and then those two units get buff while it's you know it's not putting itself in danger. Um, if for the, for that effect, all of the cards that have this ability are in uh, Fire, Justice, and Primal. Um, so hats. What are your thoughts on these guys?
2: Uh, right now, I'm calling. This mechanic, Flanking, even though that's not its official name and I don't think it actually says Flanking on any card, but for some reason it's stuck in my head that way, so I'm just going to refer to it as that for now. Uh, I think it's interesting. I like it as a limited mechanic because uh, it makes you choose between uh, getting a bonus for attacking with two units and just throwing everything that has positive attack at your opponent's face. Um, I think that makes for an interesting choice a lot of the time. Uh, some of the cards are deceptively strong. There's an uncommon uh, in fire that's a 2-2, two, two, and it gains plus three strength permanently when you attack with two units. And it's interesting to give that thing a big uh, strength bonus and then find a way to give it flying or unblockable for a turn to do the damage. Um, or, and, uh, it, yeah, I think it plays well. Um, most of the units that have this ability are small for their cost themselves, um, but uh, part of the because they don't have to attack themselves to get the bonus, uh, they they can sometimes have a lot more uh, punch on the battlefield than it initially looks like. A staunch Defender isn't one of my top commons in Justice, but I do think it's playable because endurance essentially lets your uh, let's your units do double duty. You know they get to attack and block, uh, which is very valuable in some situations. Um, so it's played pretty well for me. It played well for me in the preview event, but it's not one of your main cards that's going to do a whole bunch of damage. It's a support card, um, and I, I I still don't think that the the primal one, the one two that gives plus two health to two units, is 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 playable but i might be proven wrong it just looks terrible to me yeah no
0: it looks terrible to me too that's uh yeah it's in the show notes here you say uh makes tokens good and makes small evasive units good and uh, this is another example I, i feel like where i've had the exact opposite impression
2: um with the well, mechanic? my contribution to those show notes was before I played with it, so I just <laughs> want to jump in and say that.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that, that is that is fair, because um, my only experience really is with um, a combray deck I had, and I had a couple cards that's you know had the two, the two unit thing on it, and. I, I had a pretty low-to-the-ground Combray deck, and I just was like, I never only want to attack with two units. So it kind of feels like the decks I would want it in are, will be more mid-rangey or have like a couple good flyers that can really make use to it. But if you're playing like a bunch of small flyers even, you, you know most of the time you're going to be want it, wanting to attack with everything. At least that's how I play, maybe. <laughs> So, so it always felt like a bad choice because I was n- never really taking advantage of the cards. Uh,
2: yeah, I think you'd need. I think you need units in your deck that are are going to. I, I mean, I do think that you need the sort of deck where um, where you. Are going to be doing a lot of trading, and then you're only going to have two or three <laughs> units left, and there, and that's that's where you get your bonus. I guess it's a little hard to tell where it's optimal um, right now. I haven't really played with the mechanic enough uh, to know, and I haven't played much with Skycrag, which is where a lot of the where a lot of um, the the flanking bonuses are focused. Uh, but I have had a chance to play uh, with tandem training, which is a four fire primal relic that says when you attack with exactly two units both of them get plus one plus one and they, they get that permanently uh, and that's pretty strong <laughs> it's basically uh, paladin oath book uh, but for two units at a time and it, it plays about that well it feels like it's it's not quite as busted feeling as paladin oath book because it costs four but the amount of value it gives you over time uh, is is really hard for your opponent to deal with, and that's what it feels like with most of the flanking cards: is that they're not aggressive cards; they're value cards that you, where you sort of gradually grind your opponent out by accumulating bonuses.
0: Yeah, I, I, I the the tandem the tandem card as well as the justice the aura. Or what is it? Aurelian or Orland jailer, the jailer guy. The three on columns, the three three. Yeah. Yeah, the three costs three three. That when you attack with two units, it gets plus one plus one. Those like permanent buff units, like that makes it feel like it's it's worth taking the tempo loss of holding back units to like buff a a unit for later value. So I do think that's sort of the direction uh, you want to be taking that. Uh, who does who does that? Do you have
1: any thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like the mechanic, you know. Um, even in an aggressive deck, if you've got enough of those uh, those payoffs for attacking for two units, even if you have more units that you'd like to be attacking with, um, that you're getting value equal to leaving that other one behind or whatever. Um, so I do like that. Um, just a funny note that they added isolate <laughs> to the curated draft packs, which is the justice fast spell for 2 j Kill an enemy unit that is attacking alone. <laughs> I was like, they just put this in there for memes. Like, they're pushing this attack with two units mechanic, and then they put isolate in the curated packs.
2: How um, dare you attack with one <laughs> unit? Here's a card that punishes you. Punishes you. So attack I, with two I, units.
1: <laughs> right. I, I like the mechanic. um you know, and I like the permanent payoffs like Orange Jailer or like the the two two for three fire that you mentioned that gets plus three attack, um, and it doesn't have to be the one attacking. Makes it quite interesting as well. Um, so I do like the mechanic. Um, you know, the the units the units that aren't under powered for their cost like Orange Jailer three three for three like vanilla is playable. So things like that with that ability. Um, is definitely, like, great in my book. So um, some of the ones seem a little underpowered, but we'll see how they play out. I do like the mechanic, though. Cool.
0: And then the final uh, sort of cards uh, uh, cycle I I wanted to talk about, which I have absolutely no way of knowing how to talk about but wanted to mention, are the blueprints. Um, There's one for every color pair, And it's a one-cost spell, and then you can draw... It's like a seek power, but just for that color pair. Um, I don't even know how they work, to be honest, because there are so many of them, and they're so long and hard to read. All right. And then if you have three influence of both of those colors, you play a relic for free, which then, if you pay seven, you can
2: sack it for a bonus yes uh all of the all of the um all of the air the, the the relic that is created uh is is called an heirloom and they're all named after the faction pairings so we can talk about like Ricano blueprints creates a Ricano heirloom uh all of the all of the heirlooms are pretty strong um uh, some probably better than others but in my experience uh, it's actually pretty tough to create the Heirloom. Uh, it's just sort of a re- uh, an extra bonus that you get um, it, it very occasionally. Because <laughs> it does cost seven. And when you cast the blueprints, you already have to have three of both factions. Uh, it, it's I, I haven't found that it has a huge effect on the draft environment, even though there's a cycle of ten of them. <laughs> yeah. They're really more like just two factions seek powers than anything else. Yeah. And that's not bad. They're like Vows that way. Um, but I don't I actually think they're that much better than Vows, honestly.
0: Yeah, my only hope is that I have read all ten of them before the end of the format.
2: Yeah, the- I, I, I wouldn't place money on that. I, I don't know what they all do, and I won't know what they all do uh, months from now either.
1: I tried reading these before this episode to prepare, and I was like, "I my head's spinning. Like, I can't memorize ten of these and know which ones are good or bad." Um, I do think they're, like, had said, they are very hard to pull off, and like to have triple, like, for Rakano, let's say, triple fire and triple justice. It's probably turn six or later because there's not a lot of extra influence granting cards. Or, you know, I don't know if we have boosted symbols from Argent Depths, but I wouldn't play a symbol just to enable this anyway, uh, since it's depleted power. And, like, if I already have six or more power in play, I'm, like, not excited about playing Seek Power. So, to me, it's like, yeah, it'll thin my deck a little bit, but I'm really not excited to be playing Seek Power on turn five, six, seven.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so they they're they're it's sort of a confusing card that has sort of some contradictory elements to it. That's that's kinda interesting. So I, I am interested to see how they play out. All right. So now I think we'll go over some of these I, I, what they call a magic signpost uncommons, which are just like the uncommons two color cycles of the format to get a sense of maybe Direwolf is trying to tell us something with these cards and what that could possibly be. Uh, the first one is maybe not the, the, oh, no, not, that's not the first one. Phew. Okay. Well, I guess the first one is also maybe not the best example, but so we'll start with Praxis. Um, the common is uh, three fire time, one, one with flying. And then at the end of your turn, if another uh, of your units hit the enemy player. Spear dancer gets plus one plus one, and then searing strike is the uncommon, and that is two time or two fire time, and it says silence a unit and deal two damage to it. If it dies, replenish two power. So who does that? What do, what do these cards say to you?
1: Uh, I mean, spear dancer. I don't know that. This is Praxis's theme. That like seems kind of an aggressive type of ability, um, but if time's got some decent flyers, like triggering Spirit dancer shouldn't be too hard. I like both of these cards. I'd play both of these cards if I'm in Praxis. Um, don't know if I'd splash for them. Searing Strike looks like another Purify, which was the the two fire, justice, silence, a unit, deal three. But this one becomes free if the unit dies, and two damage will kill a lot of things in this format. Um, So I'm not sure that this pushes me into a a certain archetype, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. The one thing I wanted to mention that it took me a long time to realize, but um, as long as uh, set 10 cards are still in the draft packs heavily, uh, the fact that this silences a unit first means that it deals with regen. So it will silence the regen off and then deal two damage. So, like, for example, this would kill a vine grafter cleanly.
1: That is a great point. That is a, definitely a benefit. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Shall I move on? Or do you have anything to say, Hans?
2: No, not really. Not uh, I I don't really know what Praxis is about in this format, and I think these two cards kind of highlight that. Uh, Spear Dancer suggests to me, because it's not even really that aggressive of a card, it's a, like, at the end of your turn, it might be a 2-2 flyer for three, which is okay. Um, It suggests to me that it's a go-wide kind of a thing, um, but I wouldn't say that the other commons in Fire and Time support that. Uh, all that well there's not a lot of ways to go wide uh, because at least you can just sort of throw all your tokens at your opponent a couple of times and spear dancer will get some bonuses it's a slow way of winning the game because it's a an evasive threat that grows gradually and i haven't been able to really take advantage of it that well searing strike is obviously good but it's just a good removal at uncommon so it's not really anything to get excited about So uh, I will have to do some more experimenting before I figure out how Praxis works. It's one of those faction pairings that I haven't really, I don't really understand that well yet.
0: All right, then next is Rakano, and that is, uh, the common is Queen's Elite, which is a three-fire justice, two-two. When you attack with exactly two units, the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus two, plus two, um, or Warcry two. and then it's uncommon is a 7 Fire Justice, 7-5. When you play a relic, play a
2: sentinel with attack and health equal to that relic's cost. So Queen's Elite is a good card. Um, this is one of the big bonuses that you can get with flanking is that... Uh, I hope it turns out that we all say flanking in the end. Anyway, uh, this is one of the good... Uh, like Because getting a plus 2, plus 2 War Cry uh, really does... like. Grind your opponent out pretty well, even though this is a two-two for three. Um, yeah, even if well, you I think to...
0: Watchwing support sort of showed us that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And this is Watchwing support on a body, uh, and you can get the you can get the bonus repeatedly um, with this without playing any any additional cards after Queen's Elite, as long as you can continue uh, attacking. You can almost do uh, like bad attacks with Queen's Elite on the board and in the long run win, as long as you, you know, the problem with Warcry is that you might not draw the, the thing that gets the benefit for a little while. Or your opponent might have plans, uh, if they've got a fluctuate reality uh, or a topple in their hand, to just kill whatever is getting the bonus. Uh, that's always the risk with Warcry, but it doesn't mean that it's not a strong ability. Uh, Mechanized Constructor, I haven't seen in play, and I'm not, like, you know, jumping at the chance to play it because it costs... It costs seven. <laughs> it costs a lot, uh, and I, it's a pretty fast format. And counting on your seven drop to save you uh, is is a lot to ask from it. Yes,
0: I also think there are not actually a ton of relics. There there are all the blueprints, um, but those there. So there are a bunch of uncommons, but there's only in set eleven a single common relic, which is Blitzstone. Yeah, which is a good uh, card, but again, um, you know. So I think this is this kind of reminds me of the Ricano card from this uncommon, from the the last format where you're like, oh, maybe this could do something, but it's not really super supported.
2: Yeah, uh, there is another common relic in Ricano, um, isn't there? There, it's uh, diplomatic immunity is technically a relic weapon. Oh, That's... there
0: are there are two there are a couple relic weapons. Sorry, just yes, there are Those a count. couple relic weapons. There's the detonation cannon, which is the two one um, for two, as well as their two zero attack relic weapons. One
2: of them, diplomatic immunity, yeah, which okay. is also two cost. Yeah, there aren't a bunch of like big relics though not re- uh, so yeah it's pretty hard to activate this thing it seems like a theme that they started out with and then never really developed uh so you have to be counting on your draft packs and i uh, at this point i don't know how how well the relic theme is supported yeah so it's basically All right. just Next a step is sky
0: crag uh which is the the first one is the card we meant or the common sorry is three So the common is three fire primal. It's a one four flying. Pay four to give burnished hawk plus three attack this turn, and you can do that multiple times if you have the power. And then the uncommon is tandem training, which we mentioned before, which is the four fire primal. When you attack with exactly two units, they get plus one plus one each. So who does that? Any thoughts on uh, the Skycrack cards.
1: Yeah, so Tandem Training, uh, as Hats mentioned, definitely looks great. I haven't had the opportunity to draft it yet, but, like, yeah, that, that card seems great. Um, attacking with exactly two units is not too hard. Doesn't really push a certain theme or archetype, um, other than that that already existing one. Uh, Burnished Grinahawk. I mean, it is a Mana sink. And a 1-4 flying for three is not terrible. Like freight Azri is terrible. Like a one four flying for for uh, four primal. It gives you a face ages. It's not exciting to me. But this one, like being able to pay four and you can use it multiple times. I don't know if on turn eight you've still got this thing around and you you're trying to attack for seven, but that seems pretty decent. So I do like having a like a power sink there. Um, Not sure if either of these supports a theme, but I think either of these is definitely playable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the, Burnish Grenahawk is, I think, a great unit to have be one of your exactly two units. Because even if you're not putting power into it, a 1-4 flyer is just hard to kill.
2: Yeah, that's my take on it, too, is that Grenahawk is, is a good unit to have if you're trying to attack with two units and then keep your units around to do it again. Yes. And then it can be much better if you've got some spare power, but if you just need something to attack to activate your stuff, Grenahawk's great.
0: All right, then on to Scar. So the common is Skullbreaker, which is a two-fire... Shadow 3 2 with overwhelm and deadly on your turn, and then the uncommon is a four fire shadow 2 4 deadly ultimate when a relic goes to the to avoid disgrace. Cadet gets plus three attack and flying.
2: Yeah, the theme here is awesomeness. Uh, Stone Scar is very aggressive in this format, and Skullbreaker is just absurd. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> it's a, it's a. I mean, you can block and kill it with practically anything, but it's still gonna uh, do only one damage to kill the blocker and then overwhelm for the rest. Uh, just a very aggressive card. Um, and Disgraced Cadet isn't uh, t- isn't alarming, except for the existence of Brit of Blitzstone. Uh, which is a highly playable card um, and goes to the void automatically when you play your disgraced cadet, <laughs> and so it's it's a so blitzstone. I should say what it is because I'm going to be talking about it a lot. Uh, it's a two fire relic. Uh, it, when you summon it, it does two damage to um, to anything. I think, or is it just an enemy unit? I think it's I think it's just an enemy unit. Um, and then when you play a unit while Blitzstone is in play, the Blitzstone goes to the void, gives that unit plus one strength and charge. So Disgraced Cadet, um, if you play it while there's a Blitzstone down, uh, is a, it w- will come down as a 6-4 with flying, charge, and deadly. <laughs> and then remains as a 5-4 with flying and deadly after that. So that's real dumb. <laughs> yeah
1: seems, seems pretty good, good.
2: <laughs> it's gonna happen all the time too if you have a disgraced cadet you're gonna also have blitzstones in your deck
0: yeah i i think that pretty much sums it up uh who does that do you have uh, any anything further you'd like to add to stone scars theme of killing people as quickly as possible
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be doing it <laughs> yeah. but yeah dis, disgraced disgrace cadet for sure that's that's a, that's a powerful uncommon right I'm not going to draw any comparisons to other things like Metal Thing in that slot because it's just a completely different card, plays differently. But um, I will definitely be drafting that when I see it. Skullbreaker is interesting too because they've got a couple of uh, fast spells that give like quick draw too. Like they they added like yeah, and yeah. also
0: the comment from the set, uh, Iona's um, Iona yeah, something. Right. That gives fury. fury
1: and quick yeah. draw this turn. So definitely can push through lots of damage, you know. You and like Inuma's Fury is great. It's a combat trick and it stays on as a weapon, like for two fire, um, fast spell, plus two plus zero weapon that gives quick draw this turn. Um, so you know, the turn you play it, Skullbreaker is unlikely to die <laughs> because it's deadly. <laughs> there's not that much region. And then even after that, it's going to push through a bunch of damage even if it trades for something. So uh, both these cards are fantastic.
2: Yes. And I should also mention that Disgraced Cadet is one of a handful of cards uh, that uh, uh, that triggers off of either player's um, cards. So if your opponent's Relic goes to avoid, Disgraced Cadet becomes a 5-4 with Flying. Yes. So just be cu- careful if somebody plays one, that's not the time to play your Relic Weapon, unless you're going to kill the Cadet itself.
0: Yeah, I feel like that is going to be a, a feel-bad that happens to a fair number of people. At oh, least. yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, it's going to happen.
0: Um, all right, then uh, Cambrai. Uh, the common is the four-time Justice, 4-4 four, four with Valor. And then it's uncommon is one-time justice, gavels insight. Uh, Give a unit plus two, plus two, and overwhelm this turn. Amplify two, kill an enemy relic. So who does that? Uh, Yeah, I'm
1: digging both of these cards. I mean, I'll take a four-four vanilla for four, typically. It is two factions, so that's why you're getting the, the extra valor on it um definitely playable and it fits in that that power slot between three and five that's getting gummed up by these stealth units i'm presuming this happened to me already and then insight uh i mean plus two plus two overwhelm fast spell combat trick i'll take it i mean even without the overwhelm i'll take a one one power fast spell combat trick The killing in an enemy relic definitely could come into play in this format considering there's you know maybe less relics in set 11, but um, probably plenty of relics in the curated packs. Um, also, one of the, the cursed relics that I'm dreading seeing on the other side of the table is Manacles. It's the, the three justice one that stuns two enemy units, and it's a cursed relic. Um, and just being able to kill things like that with this amplify ability could be huge
2: a lot of the a lot of the really mean relics in this format are rare but uh, rares are you'll see rares in drafts so having a card in your deck that's already playable and just randomly kills them is is pretty good
0: uh yeah i I agree it's funny I do think it's one of those ab- abilities where I'm like ah, when is that ever going to happen really but it's just totally upside because
2: the card itself is totally playable in that big game, in that big epic game against uh the the best card for me that really won me the game, is um, is a rare that uh, it's it's like the runes. Uh, there's a rare cycle uh, that's that's similar to the runes, but it makes a permanent relic that you can continue to activate for value. And the one that I had is the four cost one, where you can spend four once per turn to make a two one soldier. That card totally won me the game. And if my if Cassandra had had a Gavel's insight to get rid of it, the turn after I played it, absolutely would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then as you mentioned earlier with the common, you know, this being a four four is pretty big in this because it kills most of the three the three cost stealth units, and then also with Valor, one of the things we didn't really mention is Valor is an ability that sort of scales up with how big the unit is because like a 4-4 or the time 6-6, you know, is that usually takes a double block to kill it because they're so big. And so the bigger the unit, the more it incentivizes
2: double and triple blocks and the more your opponent gets punished for being forced to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think these are these really go well together and suggest what Cambrai is trying to do, which is play big units uh, efficiently, and and then um, use cards like Gavel's Insight. If you give something overwhelm and a little bonus, that's at its best when you're you're getting blocked by a couple of units. You can you can get card advantage that way and trample damage over. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and and Combray does seem to be a pretty good strategy in this draft format and playing a bunch of big units and just overwhelming your opponent, uh, seems to work pretty well, even with all of the deadly units in the format. So, um, it's, uh, so, so Combray's got a a pretty clear faction identity.
0: All right. And then next is Elysian. Uh, the common is... Launching Azri, which is a three-time primal three-one with stealth. Ultimate: When you play another unit with stealth, reveal Launching Azri to give the Azri flying. Which I think means it gives itself flying, right?
1: Um, I think so. It is oddly worded, though. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, it gets it gets flying itself. Yeah, I've yeah. Pl- I got a, I, I got to play with it in my uh I in in my current deck. I have a couple of them, so okay and then there's also
0: ring of glamour which is the two time primal uh relic and it says when you play a unit with stealth draw a card after the third uh use sacrifice ring of glamour to gain three life
2: yeah so this is a little bit weird because it seems like these both have the the same theme which is play a bunch of stealth units but one is a very aggressive card, and one is a card that draws cards slowly. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you do. if you're in uh, Elysian, you probably do want to play as many stealth units as you can get your hands on, and they do tend to be reasonably strong. Um, but launching Azri is a very aggressive card. It's essentially a 3-1 flyer for 3 if you can back it up with another stealth unit on the next turn. And Ring of Glamour it really rewards you for like hanging around for a while because it draws 3 cards and gains you life. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play with Ring of Glamour yet. It seems very strong, um, but it takes a while to get your, your value off of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be in, interesting. Uh, launching Asri, I'm still a little unsure about, you know, depending on how many ping effects. The the three cost three one. It's always a, a card that it can win games, but boy, do they die, die a lot too. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, they're you know, you're right. They are both stealth. So you think that's a theme they're supporting, but I mean, I guess they're, they just make your deck mid-range if you're trying to run like both of these in the same deck. Um, I do like Ring of Glamour just like kind of supporting the stealth theme and getting you extra value for your stealth units, as some of them are over for their stats. So, uh, I mean, I like both of these cards, but yes, also the ping effect thing, because uh, a 3-1 is, is pretty fragile.
0: All right, then Xenon, uh, the common is a three time shadow tutu, deadly stealth while you have a unit in your void. And then the uncommon is a clinging scavenger. Sorry, I've only, I've only been reading one out of five of these, the names. Uh, the <laughs> uncommon is clinging scavenger, which is a four time shadow tutu with flying. And then when a unit goes to your void, Cleaning scavenger gets plus one, plus one. So who does that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess we had a void theme if we're just reading the words on the cards. (laughs) Uh, Lurking Feeder is is pretty solid, like just having a surprise deadly unit, um, as long as you have a unit in your void, which is pretty easy to do. Uh, Not necessarily by turn three, but pretty easy to do in general. Um, So it is a solid card. Uh, I mean, paying three for, like, a Razor bot, essentially, is what it's going to end up playing out as. Uh, might sound a little expensive, but the surprise element is great. Uh, and Clinging Scavenger, I mean, paying four for a 2-2 flying is a bit rough, but I think flying units in general might be at a premium in this format, we'll find out. And then the ability can definitely get out of control, so uh, even though it's just your Void that we're looking at here, um, that thing can grow pretty quickly. So I, I do like it, and I probably would play it if I were in those factions pretty solidly.
0: Yeah, I, I like the fact that Cleaning Scavenger doesn't start with one health. I think that's, that's pretty big. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this kind of... Is, I, I don't know how the rest of the cards really fit with this, but, you know, Lurking Feeder being able to give Cleaning Scavenger time to... To get big and win in the air you know you can kind of see like a, a bog down the ground and then attack in the air with big big evergrown units kind of you can see a story there
2: yeah the story exists on these two cards but i have questions about how much it's supported by the other cards in, in the set because mm-hmm. in Revelations, like time doesn't really have any good way of putting anything in the void. Because um, these both are these both uh, like Clinging Scavenger activates if if you put cards in your void from your deck, say, um, and Shadow does have a solid common that that you can uh, that you can aim at yourself. Um, it's the uh, let's see, let me just uh, let me just read it because I'm going to be talking about it later too. It's the dum 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 dum. Shadow Path Intimidator. Uh, shadow Path Intimidator is a two shadow two two. Uh, its summon ability is either an enemy unit of your choice can't block this turn, or a player of your choice discards the top two cards of their deck. So if you aim that at yourself, um, it's just any any. It's like any of the self mill cards where you can you can get bonuses. Um, Uh, by just putting things directly in your void and not having to have them die in combat. Uh, So that helps with cleaning Scavenger, uh, although it seems to be like the only common in set 11, so you kind of have to make the draft packs fill in for you if you're going to be going for a self-mill theme.
0: And then next is Huru. The common is Stormholt Concoction, which is the three-justice primal spell. Give one of your units plus three, plus three in flying this turn. So again, a note, it is not a fast spell. It's just a spell. And then amplify one. When the unit hits the enemy player this turn, draw a card. And I'm assuming how this works is if you amplify three times and then you hit with your now flying
2: plus three, plus three unit, you will draw three cards. That is how it works. I've played with the card.
0: Yeah. And then the uncommon is... Um, rail driver trainee and it is a three justice primal three two with reckless when you attack with exactly one other unit rail driver trainee is invulnerable to damage this turn so this is fitting that attack with two um, units theme except in this case the rail driver trainee has to be one of the two units
2: yeah i haven't played with rail driver trainee and i haven't played against it Having it be invulnerable to damage seems fine, but uh, also anything with reckless on it is obviously uh, a liability in some ways. Uh, it reduces your choices, and if your opponent can block with anything, a one four or whatever, it's essentially it's essentially neutralized this thing forever. Um, so I don't know how good that is as an uncommon. It doesn't seem like something that makes me want to go into Huru Stormhall concoction. On the other hand is nuts (laughs) it is it feels like you should be switched in hard it really does because concoction is incredibly powerful it's not that hard to create a situation where your opponent doesn't have any blocking flying units on any given turn um because they don't know that they need to leave something back to block your uh, because none of your units have flying um, and it scales incredibly well. If you cast this thing for six, you draw three cards and you smack your opponent in the face with something that has plus three plus three. It's real good. Uh, that, it, that this makes me want to play Huru every time I see it. Um, and I don't know that Huru by itself is a really strong uh, faction combination, but this is one of the things that makes it strong if it is.
0: Yeah, any thoughts who does that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily want to play Huru, but uh, this does make me want to play Rakano and Arjunport and splash some Primal. (laughs) 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 Rail Driver Trainee is like yawn. Um, I mean, there's common and uncommon ones that give maybe just uncommon permanent effects with the attack with exactly two units. So this temporary, this one guy is invulnerable to damage this turn, uh, it's not something I'm like interested in seeking out. And yeah, the, the rarities should be switched because Stormhold Concoction, I mean, I've already watched people play this. I haven't had the pleasure of playing it, but just drawing three, four cards and that just being the end of the game, basically.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the weird thing with real driver training is I, I feel like the thought is, oh, this can because it gets invulnerable damage, it'll always be your buddy when you're attacking with two units. But it doesn't protect the other units. So like, if that unit's dying, then what is this really doing? And it's not really giving any big bonuses. So it it's like a card that requires you to have also other cards that want you to attack with two units. So it feel like it takes way too much setup for... No payoff in and of itself. Um, all right, then on to Argentport. Um, Argentport's common is a four-cost, just a shadow three-two, um, called D'Angelo Rocketeers. And when D'Angelo Rocketeer, Rocketeers goes to your void, you may pay two to play a four-three Back Alley Bouncer, and then Collapse, which is a two a fast spell. Uh, two Justice Shadow. Discard a card to kill an enemy unit cursor sight. Uh, who does that?
1: Yeah, so I, I do like both of these cards. I think they they have a couple of these cards in this set where when something goes to the void, you may pay two to do something. So that's kind of interesting that you have to play and plan your turns and leave that, that power open. So I, I like that that makes this card interesting. Uh, 3-2 for 4, obviously understated, but paying an extra 2 to get a 4-3 when this dies is fantastic. So um, I definitely think I would play it. It's just be interesting uh, as to how you play it and plan on saving your power and all that. Uh, Collapse is extremely powerful. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't play Constructed, but this would probably even see Constructed play or just like two uh, primal or sorry, two Justice Shadow fast spell to to kill an enemy unit, curse, or sight with no restrictions is fantastic. And I'll be discarding lots of power to this when I have just excess power. So the discarding a card part is not a huge drawback considering how powerful the ability is. So uh, I look forward to playing that one.
0: Yeah, and then also um, we probably should have mentioned this in our theme section there are a few sorry there are a whole bunch of cards that actively um you i guess actively want to get discarded it's the wrong word that give you an extra bonus when they go to the void and unlike in tomb these cards trigger if they are discarded um from either your library or your hand. Uh, so one example of this is uh, like uh, it the sorry the uh, justice common called Inquisitive Al- Alchemist, which is a five justice four four with stealth. And then if you have one justice influence, when Inquisitive Alchemist goes to your void, the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus two plus two. So as long as you have a justice influence, if you discard this, you you get essentially Warcry 2 for free. So there are a bunch of cards that give you value if you discard them, sort of fitting with the Sargentport theme. Like there's an uncommon uh, one-cost 2-1 shadow unit that uh, when it goes to your void, if you have a single shadow, gives... A unit in your hand plus two attack. So there's a, a, a so th- this is like a, a a mini theme, especially in the argent port colors, which these two cards um,
2: fit as well. Yeah, yeah yes. I and think this is. Oh,
1: sorry. I was going to say that two one is actually common. The glen path gutter two one oh. shadow. So, and and like like you said, it's not an Entomb effect, but it does happen when they go. To your void from play, so it's so great that you can get that benefit either way it goes to your void.
2: Yeah, I think this is one of the str- like stronger, better supported um, uh, faction uh, identities uh, here. The Argent Port one, uh, Racketeer stands out among the cards that want to be want to go to the void as one that doesn't require any influence. So if Racketeer's it gets milled from your deck, for example, as long as you've got the two power open, you can get a free 4-3. Uh, whereas uh, if Pathcutter or Alchemist uh, randomly goes to your void because someone makes you uh, mill from your deck, for example, and you haven't got the right influence in play, then you don't get the bonus. Uh, and that's some—it's a small but important thing to remember if you have those cards in your deck. Even on your turn one, uh, it matters what influence you play just in case your opponent makes you mill. <laughs> because that's happened to me before where I had Alchemist in my deck uh, and I started and I played my first power as a Shadow and then my opponent played the 2-2 and made me discard 2. I discarded Alchemist, didn't get the bonus, and I will never make that mistake again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I, I, I'm i excited about this theme and... I. The D'Angelo Racketeer just seems like a, a pretty a pretty good card. I mean, even if you're paying full rate, you're getting uh, 7.5 seven, worth of st- stats
2: for 6. Um, so, yeah. The, the the main thing with cards like Racketeers and the other ones that you have to pay the power for is that that is not nothing. Keeping up that power it is... Uh, it is a real like thing that you have to plan for um, because your opponent doesn't always cooperate and uh, and and trade with the card when you have the power available and it does wreck your curve uh, a lot of the time the uh, racketeers is good because it does give you board presence right away but some of the other cards don't so um, you have to uh, there's an uncommon with two two uh, two, two uh, with stealth and Warcry And when it goes to your void, then you can pay two to draw the next unit in your deck. Um, And that's great. It's card advantage, but it also doesn't uh, give you an immediate board presence and you're spending two powers, so it's often a tempo loss.
0: All right, and then our final color pair is Felm, everybody's favorite Felm. And the common is Surprise Raid, which is two Primal Shadow. And it has life steal. It's a spell. It has life steal. Deal two damage to an enemy if you have a hidden unit. Draw a card. And then the uncommon is Foraging Trito, uh, which is a Grenadine Sloth, and it is three Primal Shadow, three one with Stealth in Tomb. Play one one Razor, bo- oh, one, one, one Razor Bot with Deadly. When forging tri foe hits the enemy player, increase its entomb by one.
2: So, these are both, these unlike the Elysian um, cards, uh, not only do these both uh, have to do with stealth, but they have the same strategy, which is uh, creating value over time. Uh, surprise Raid, I've had the pleasure of playing with, it's a great card. Uh, you do have to have a certain number of stealth cards in your deck for it to be awesome, but even uh, something that does two damage with lifesteal is fine. It kills a lot of relevant units in this format. Uh, Getting to kill somebody's Ursa Squadron with Surprise Raid, even if you don't draw a card as well, is is fine. Uh, And then Forging Trito is sort of everything you want in a stealth card, where if they trade with it, you get to have a Razorbot. And if they don't trade with it, then it gets to be a nightmare. <laughs> now it makes two Razorbots. So now they're sad that they didn't block it. But if they blocked it, they were also sad, no matter what your opponent is sad. Yeah. Uh, also, it's a Grenadine Sloth. So it gets a lot of points just for being that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think
0: this card compares favorably to like uh, Razorbots, razor
2: Razorblades, whatever it was. Oh, Razorblades, the spell that makes Razorbots and does damage? Yeah. yeah.
0: It felt like sometimes your opponent would pay six to get two Razor Bots, and you're like, "Oh, can never beat this." And yeah. you know,
2: this can do that for three. If it, yeah, it's good. But this by itself makes me think that Felm should be really strong in this format. Uh, yeah. It's just a question of what you which car which cards are at their best in Felm, and I'm still figuring that out. Uh, but the fact that these two cards exist makes me think that film should be a pretty good archetype to go for. Um, and it's just a, a question of of like the right ratio of removal and units and all of that stuff that you have to figure out when you're playing a control deck. Um, yeah, who does that? Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree. Both of these definitely fit their game plan. I will admit that I've drafted one found deck since December 7th. <laughs> So uh-huh. it is not my chosen faction pairing. Um, but, you know, if the lane's open, I'm willing to draft it. Um, I admit I've been forcing a lot more fire and, and justice in that last format. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely play both of these. I like these cards. It is a sloth, so it does get bonus points for that. A three-toed sloth, um, more specifically. Um, but Surprise Ray definitely hits that that two damage threshold that like like you said hits a lot of relevant units in this format and then have like drawing a card off of it would be amazing if you have enough stealth units so
0: yeah yeah and uh, the one thing i do like about this and kind of uh, in with what you're saying who does that is like a lot of with this slot and then a, a lot of shadows other stealth units really pay you off for hitting the enemy unit with them. Enemy enemy player. That enemy, sorry, hitting the enemy player with them. Yeah, so hitting the enemy player with them, and so it really seems like Felm is, at least with the with this card and the Shadow Stealth cards, is leaning aggressive, kind of aggressive, maybe tricky aggressive, um, but really do want to be attacking with units compared to in the last couple sets where Felm has been kind of this control-y, not play a lot of units, just play a lot of removal spells. You know, with with Foraging toe, you, you
2: know, you're trying to hit the enemy here. You are trying to hit the enemy, but you're not doing a lot of damage. Like, all of these, all of the Shadow Stealth cards get value when you hit your, um, hit the enemy. Well, I guess not all of them, but, but most of them. Um, but like you're not killing your opponent all that fast with them. So it really is more of a value proposition over uh yes. like so it's more like you got to sneak them through here and there and then use the card advantage that it gives you uh, uh over time to win the game. I think that these decks are probably going to be very removal heavy and then the units that you do have um are 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 going to like want to make contact a couple of times in order to get the value off of them. And then somehow you're going to need a way to win the game after you've gotten all this value too. So it's going to be a balancing act.
0: Final kind of things I wanted to talk about is it does seem at common that removal's a little light. There's no like unconditional kill spell of any sort in the format. Uh, The closest thing is uh, the justice common removal, which is topple which is a three-justice spell that says kill an enemy unit with the highest attack among all your units. Um, but that is still very conditional, and sometimes, you know, if your opponent plays a good rare that's a, a good cheap rare, you're not killing it with Popple, probably. And then uh, Primal has uh, two removal spells, you know, Boiling Geyser, which is a one cost fast spell that deals three damage to an enemy unit that was played this turn, so you got to be holding it up. And Rule the Skies, which deals two damage to a unit if it has flying, it deals six. Um, shadow doesn't have really anything at common besides for Miasma, which is a four shadow fast spell that says enemy units get minus one minus one for this turn.
2: It does have uh, It does have. A, a card that can kill anything for eight power which is a lot but it does count oh yeah that
0: is true it does have the four cost two two flyer and then if you amplify
2: for four it can kill anything yeah and i've played that card for 12 which is real good because that kills two units and gives all of your you it plays inspire obedience which kills an enemy unit and gives all of your uh units plus one strength for the turn uh, so if you get to 12, Minister of Obeyance is really something. <laughs> All right. And then finally, um,
0: we're just going to quickly run through our top commons, which has a, a lot of overlap. So I'll start with mine, and then you guys can just say where where you differ, and we'll talk about those different cards. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, my number one common in Fire is Blitzstone, which is the two-cost relic that, on summon, deals two damage. And then, when you, the next time you play a unit, it sacrifices itself to give it plus one and charge. Um, so, that's my top common. It's removal, and it does what Fire wants to do, which is attack aggressively, uh, giving your next unit charge. There's Iona's Fury, uh, which is... Uh, a two cost fast spell that gives plus two attack permanently to the unit you play it on as well as quick draw for the turn this i have found to be a very good combat trick um it blows you know it's very easy for this to to keep your unit alive and then it's bigger from then on so that's pretty good Uh, and then
2: yeah, okay. I'll, I'll well, I'm. It. But I'm
0: embarrassed because it's my card, and I don't even know what it does. It's
2: the. Uh-huh. I think it's the, the plays that, the spell, right? Yeah, yeah it plays rampage. It's a three-one stealth. Uh, that if it if it reveal if, at the beginning of your turn, uh, if it's still hidden, it reveals itself, and and you can play a rampage. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you know the main reason I don't think this is like a spectacular card, uh, but the main reason I put this on here is. I was just thinking about your top three commons, and since my first two were not units, I do feel like you probably want to be picking at least some units in your aggressive deck, and Rampaging Commando, while a three-cost three-one is not super exciting, the fact that it can do so much damage the turn the, your next turn when it flips and plays a Rampage means I think you will be happy to play a, a few of these in your deck.
1: I was going to say, despite playing Rampage and giving a unit Overwhelm, I've, I found this unit a little underwhelming.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but, yeah, but you're I, right.
0: I, I, ha- I have made this list having not played yet, but of the of the fire common units, I was this was up there on my most excited. <laughs> excited. The, I feel like the fire common units in set eleven aren't particularly spectacular, so I was kind of. Scraping the bottom of the barrel, looking for a unit to make my top three.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's why it's not on my my top three. Is the exactly that the um, the the fire units are just sort of bodies, and then <laughs> like the way that you actually win is by clearing the way for them. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, my, my top three is Blitzstone. Blitzstone is great for the reasons that you said. I like Rune of Flame a lot. Um, we talked about it earlier, and it, it's just performed really, really well for me. Uh, it, it's it's an expensive char, but it does exactly what you need, which is clearing the way for your stupid bodies to be able to do more damage to your opponent's face. And then Inoue's Fury. Uh, I almost don't want Inoue's Fury to be as good as it is because I find those, like, if somebody is already going first and ahead on board and then their spell gives them more of an advantage, I find that really obnoxious. But I can't deny that it's effective.
1: <laughs> yeah, my, my three was a combination of your your twos, which was Blitstone, Inno's Fury, and Rune of Flame. And yeah, again, I think there's plenty of playable cards in this format. So being able to squeeze those runes in into sigil slots for free is fantastic. <laughs>
0: All right, and then on to time. Um, my top three is, first, I have a Open Way Supplier, which is the two-cost 1-1 one, one, that gives you plus one maximum power and then gives the next unit you draw killer. Or the it gives your top unit, sorry. The top
2: unit of your deck gets killer.
0: Yeah, and gives the top unit of your deck killer. And then uh, my second one is Rune, the Time ruin, which is for Amplify 5, plays Teleport. And then I put number three, I put Battlewise Elite, but I could be convinced it's another one of these, um, another one of the units. But Battlewise Elite is the two-time 2-2 with Valor and Summon gain two life. I just think, like you said, your three-slot and five-slot can get you know, it's a two drop, and there's not a ton of two drops or good ones. And this one will, if blocked, you know, be a three three. So it, it'll get some damage in. Uh, and Mike, with, oh sorry. Oh no, go ahead. And so, and then I open supplier. I don't know if it's good or not. I just felt like it's probably good. It does a lot of different things, but. Um, spoiler alert, since neither of you put it in, I could be totally wrong. It's, this is uh, number
2: one that I don't feel super strongly about. I, I would put it, like, at number four currently in the way I'm, I'm looking at it. It's a good card, um, but the, I, I found that the fact that the, the unit that gets killer is random means that uh, often the, the, the ability is irrelevant, and so it's just sort of expensive ramp. Uh, if you've got a deck where almost everything that can get Killer is going to be good with it, then it's better. Like, uh, if you're in Cambrai and most of your units are large, then uh, Open Way Supplier is at its best. But if, you're, if it's in Praxis or like Elysian, often you're, getting, you're putting Killer on something that doesn't really need it that badly. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a bad card at all. I think it's a good card. I just think that Times Commons are just good in general so um, Open Way Supplier doesn't quite make top three for me.
0: Mm, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do like some of the cards on your
2: list. I didn't think Times Commons were that good, but... I, they, they, they play better than they look is the only explanation that I have. It just... Uh, um, and then again, it, it's sort of the faction... Uh, sorry, it's the... Um, it's, it's just the way the format seems to play the its commons are better than they look at first glance all right like so what is your list then my list uh, i already talked about telekinetic shackles and that's my top time common even though you don't want a whole bunch of copies and i think that it's incredibly valuable to have one in your deck and probably two so I'm, I'm having that number one for now i fully anticipate changing my mind on that later in the format but for right now i think it's such a versatile card uh, that I'm excited to see it in a pack. My second pick is Concealed Veteran, and this is probably going to be the one that doesn't make any sense until you play the format a little bit. That's just a 3 3 for 3 with stealth. That is all it is. Uh, just the fact that it's bigger than any other stealth card means that your opponent always has to play as though your stealth card ha- could be Concealed Veteran. Which means it's very hard for them to play against anything you have with stealth as long as you have a time influence. Um, It swallows a lot of cards whole. (laughs) And it is, it's just, it like it does what time does best, which is have the biggest thing on the field uh, at the power level that you and your opponent happen to be at at the time um and again maybe i'll change my mind about that over time but right now i'm like excited to have concealed veteran in my deck <laughs> even though it's just a three three for three uh and i can't and uh, although times cards uh commons are, are are generally just sort of good and basically pretty strong uh that's one of the ones that i'm actually looking for to make my deck work and then number three uh is just the rune because uh, cause, uh teleport is a strong ability um and it is really great to have your one of your sigils uh cast teleport occasionally all right and who does that
1: yeah so uh you know i also had concealed veteran like i've never been unhappy to play a 3 3 for 3 in a previous format even vanilla and just it being stealth is kind of a just messes with their mind so I do enjoy that that extra little ability that you get out of that plus if you if you do pick up some of the stealth matters cards the reward payoffs like the 1-1 one, one flying for 1 that reduces the units cost by 1 if they have stealth and things like that um, then you get a little extra bonus out of it like playing it turn 2 um, and then I did also have battle elite just because that, that card's pretty solid as well um I mean two two valor for two you just need some stuff in your two slot at some point uh the one place I differed was i I had populist controller actually is my number one, which is the six time six six valor, and just as a top in this card is gonna smash some face, you know, and as you mentioned, valor scales with size, so a six six with valor is really hard to 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 take out you know i mean obviously there are deadly units in the format and stuff but this is just a great solid top-end card with not a lot of influence requirements
0: yeah i I think it's going to be a good card the reason it didn't make my list is because it is six cost and it's it's not one of the big time units that like takes you know it doesn't have overwhelm so it's not It's not, like, so unbelievably good that I'm like, oh, I'm going to play as many six-cost units as I can get. Um, You know, it's just, like, a solid top end where you would like to have, you know, one or maybe two of, uh, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the main reasons that I don't have it uh, near the top right now is, again, just because of other cards in the format. And uh, we're talking about Justice next, so... So we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss the main reason why I don't, <laughs> I don't like populist controller.
0: Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. That card didn't make my list. So I'll do mine first, which I, I think probably has some hot and possibly wrong takes. <laughs> uh, but uh, number one, I said Urza squadron, which is the two justice two two with valor and Warcry. Uh, very good card we talked about it then for number two i put genius combatant uh which is the three cost stealth three two with valor and i kind of put this here sort of for the same reasons you put concealed veteran i mean it only has two health but it if they block your stealth unit it you know they're blocking a four three so it takes out a four, four that might be blocking it as well as, um, you know, we'll still have two health if they're blocking it with something smaller. So in my mind, it kind of will, if you're, if you're on the offense, it'll play very similarly to concealed veteran. Um, and then number three, and this is where I'm probably wrong. I I put reliable troops, which is the one cost one, one, and you can pay two to draw a justice sigil uh, from your deck. And the part of the reason that this seems appealing to me, not having really played, is that a lot of the, you know, there's no plunder in this set. So we've gotten spoiled the last couple sets to have a lot of hand smoothing mechanics and there's no, Super obvious hand smoothing mechanic in this format, and so I felt like just like you know a, a reliable way to hit power. Um, you know, it's a it's not a very impactful unit, but I think units that allow you to play games might still be useful.
2: Yeah, I'm still not sure how strong reliable troops is. Uh, that's the one one. For one with Valor, and you can pay two to draw a Justice Sigil from your deck. That's its ultimate ability. Um, I see it come down against me, uh, turn one, a lot. And then, uh, and maybe even if it replaces itself with a Justice Sigil, it's still just a one-one. Like, uh, it has Valor, so it is hard to block. Uh, yeah, don't certainly. recommend triple blocking it. Yeah, don't do that. It's but then when if you just let it through, then it just does one damage, and then they're sort of down a card uh, until they until they get the Justice Sigil. It plays pretty well uh, because just because yeah, if you don't have a two drop, then this thing just draws a card, and that's nice. And I've actually there is still plunder in the draft packs, so I've drawn a Justice Sigil from a Liable Troops just so I can plunder it into a Treasure Trove on the same turn before. Uh, just cute little things like that so i don't think it's bad i just don't think it's got the raw power of some of justice's other commons because as usual justice has absurd commons <laughs> it does uh my top 3 is ursus squadron uh ursus squadron is i'm still seeing these go really late and i guess we're still sort of in like people are figuring out the format and the robot packs and all of that but i don't think that this should be going uh like fourth to the last pick on in the first pack ever i think that if you're seeing them that means justice is open it's the best two drop um because it has Warcry and it's very hard to block um there just aren't a lot of two drops that can block and kill it and uh and it it's it's so format warping that i value anything that can do two damage uh, way higher than i normally would just to be able to deal with Ursa's squadrons that I know I'm going to have to cope with. Um, and, uh, and it's usually my favorite thing to play on turn two if I'm in justice. So that goes at the top for me. Number two is the card that I foreshadowed earlier, which is Topple. Topple is a three justice spell that kills an enemy unit with the highest strength among all units, uh, which means that if it's tied to her highest strength with one of your units, you can still target it. Uh, if you if your opponent has stealth units, you can drag topple out onto the field, and the the uh, the units that your opponent has opponents have uh, if any of the if any of their stealth units have the highest strength among all units, they'll highlight. So you immediately get information without having to cast the spell on them. And uh, it usually, uh, especially if you're playing an aggressive low to the ground deck that your biggest problem is going to be large blockers that your opponent puts in your way uh, and topple kills them (laughs) so uh because it i this is another card that i'm seeing go way too late at this point i don't think people understand how strong it is you uh, there are going to be cases where you have the largest unit on the board and therefore topple does exactly nothing for you um but uh i think if you've got the largest unit on the board you don't need to do anything else you're you're now winning the game (laughs) so it tends to play really well in my experience and then uh, number three for me is inquisitive alchemist uh and this is just my experience playing with it even though it costs five that's it's the uh four four for five justice with stealth um and when it goes to your void the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus two plus two it tends to trade with whatever it gets in combat with, and then gets a bonus on top of that. Uh, and then you can get the bonus if you mill it. You can get the bonus if you discard it. Um, in my, I'm really happy having these in my deck. Even as a five cost card, it just feels like the grease that makes a justice deck spin. Like you're, it, it's it's a lot of value in one card. So uh, it makes top three for me now. Again, it's one of those things where I might change my mind later. I'm very sure about Ursa's Squadron and Topple, um, but so far Inquisitive Alchemist has played so well for me that I I look forward to drafting it.
0: Yeah, and who does that?
1: Yeah, uh, everything you said about Topple, <laughs> basically. And I've, I've never had a trouble just offering up a trade with my highest... Power unit and being happy with the trade just to make this thing castable so um topple made my number one just based on what we already discussed about the kind of lack or you know like deficit of removal in this format i think that i'll be picking topples like whenever i can uh ursa squadron my number two easily the best two drop at common i believe um and i put mod ready drone uh, again, it's it's a 3-3 three, three for 3 if you need it, but a 2-2 two, two flying for 3, uh, while it doesn't look like the 2-1 flying region for 3 that we had in the last set, uh, a, like, I don't see a lot of flyers, so I think this will actually make a, a significant significant impact in the air, just being a 2-2 two, two flying for 3.
0: Yeah, it does stink that it doesn't ready when you play at Relic, though.
1: <laughs> the thing that everyone misplays. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a good, a pretty good card. I I do, I do think I would, I, I like the Inquisitive Alchemist better than than it on first glance, but that could just be also like sort of fancy syndrome because Inquisitive Alchemist has like a, a lot of different things you can do, while Mod Ready Drone is just uh, your uh, your everyday workhorse
2: doing exactly what you need it to do yeah mod ready drone is is very versatile and i think that it just suffers a bit from the fact that it costs three in a stealth heavy format where like your three drop slot does tend to fill up um Mm -hmm. and and so it's a little hard for me to find room for it a lot of the time
0: yeah i agree with that all right and then in primal uh I think Primal has some pretty good uh, commons. Uh, number one, I put Wild Osry, which is the two-cost, two-one flyer. And then number two, I put the Primal Rune, which is the one that allows you to play, um, a stun a unit for Amplify f- 5. And then uh, Boiling Geyser, which is the one-cost Primal a uh, fast spell that deals three damage to a unit, and uh, for me, a uh, wild Azri, you know, it, it, as a two-cost to attack, uh, flying unit, I think those are just deceptively powerful. It does have one health, but it, it, I mentioned this before the cast. But um, when uh, Locust came out, in um, became a card in a set i forget what that was maybe set seven it was actually one of the highest performing uncommons we had and that was just an uncommon two two for two and it was it was like one of the most winning cards in our seven win deck list and while wild Azri doesn't have that second point of health just being able to Deal damage and then trade off later is, uh, you know, a powerful thing in a 2-drop. And then uh, Boiling Geyser, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, It's, uh, you know, you have to be holding up one power, but that's not a lot of power to be holding up. Um, And it only does 3 damage, but I think in this very stealth-heavy format... Three damage is actually quite a lot. I'm pretty excited about Boiling Geyser and Lightning Strike, uh, a, a card that I actually haven't been happy with in in a few formats. I think they're going to do a lot of work in this
2: format. Yeah, Lightning Strike uh, has been playing well for me. I have Boiling Geyser at number one uh, because it is it does kill so many relevant units. I think there's only one common stealth unit that has four uh, that has four health. Uh, so it kills all the others and at least reveals... And it, that's that's the one for uh, where at the beginning of your turn, if it's still hidden, it reveals itself and then draws a random sigil from your deck. So even if you Boiling Geyser it and don't kill it, you do take away its ability because you revealed it. Um, and holding up one power is so much easier than holding up more power than one. So yeah, I think Boiling Geyser is a really strong card. I have Wild Azri as, as number two. And the only reason I have it as number two instead of number one right now, it's a little bit arbitrary, is that I uh, don't know how much, how valuable it is for Primal to try to be aggressive. (laughs) Um, Because, I like, you got your Wild Raspberry in the air, and then now what? Uh, Are you going to win the game with it? I don't know. How many flyers can you generate? Uh, Not really that many. Um, but I might be wrong and there might be a good Flyers deck where, where getting that aggressive is exactly what you want to be doing. Uh, it certainly plays into the attack with two units thing because your Wild Azari is already up there. Uh, it's going to be able to attack a couple of times probably before your opponent manages to get some Flying Defense up there so you get your bonuses. Uh, and then number three, I have Rule of skies. Uh, That's a three primal fast spell that does two damage, uh, but it does six damage to flying units. And uh, it does that magic two damage uh, to a lot of things that you want to do two damage to. And then uh, there are some pretty hefty flyers in the format, some uncommons and things, um, and it kills those real dead. So Rule of the Skies is just a, a really good, versatile removal spell.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, I... Also put Wild Azri and Roll the Skies for all of those reasons. I put Bottled Insight on here as the third. Uh, almost as a joke, just because I think some of the primal cards like Freight Asri are just so bad. But if you've got a good deck and things to dig to, just a one mana cantrip is great. I mean, it's, it's one primal, draw a card, amplify two, draw an additional card, then discard a card, fast spell. So, like, it is a power sink later, where you can cycle through, discard, you know, some sigils or something that you don't need. Um, but just, it, it's kind of like running a smaller deck and draft, which I'm always a fan of. So, a one-mana cantrip is, like, will make most of my decks, just for that reason.
2: I haven't had a chance to play with Bottled Insight that much. Um, it's sort of a card that seems to not make very many people's decks, for whatever reason. But yeah, it replaces itself for one, so it's gotta be good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, it's you can't have you know, you can't yeah, I think it'll also depend on how aggressive the format is, you know, spending one to do nothing while it's only one still is not really is is doing nothing. And it's also a little weird because the discard theme seems to be much more heavily focused in Argent Port, while this is like one of the best discard outlets uh, in, in the set. Is is kind of a weird choice. So
2: I, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Um, a lot of times, Primal does have a real discard theme, and this isn't one of those sets, so it's just kind of thrown in there on this card.
1: Yeah, to me it's like just cut the worst card in my deck and throw a bottled insight in, and now the rest of my deck got better. <laughs> like there's there's a lot of times where I'll just have one power just left over, and this is pseudo like um, plunder if you're just paying three or more to discard a power and draw a card. So um, yeah. I kind of like that.
0: All right, and then Shadow. Shadow was tough for me, and I, I had a, a late-breaking uh, order change here. Um, but Because um, I think Shadow's commons are all pretty good, but but very flat power power level, so it was really hard to pick three. Um, number one, I put Glenn Pathcutter, now that I found out that it was a common and not an uncommon, and that is the... Uh, one cost, two one, and for one shadow. If you discard it, you or, or sorry, for and then it has a shadow influence. And then if when it goes to your void, uh, give a unit in your hand plus two attack. So this is just like a lot of value on uh, a one drop. It's attacking in with two attack as well as um, buffing units in your hand when it dies or. If you do some discard shenanigans, which there are plenty of, uh, number two, I put the Shadow Rune, which is the rune that plays Ghost Form for Amplify Five, and that gives a unit unblockable and life steal. So I think this is, I think this is a pretty good rune because it can help stabilize by giving you some life. It can help end a game by giving a big unit unblockable. You know it's pretty flexible, and then um, I don't know if my number three slot should be one of the uh, the sh- the stealth shadow units, but I ended up putting unchecked upgrader, which is the four cost three two, and when a unit hits the end, when one of your units hits the enemy player, it gets plus one attack permanently. So this is like the um, something of Makar uh, Relic that was in a previous format that did blood. a similar thing, but blood on a body. Blood
2: of Makar, blood.
0: Blood of Makar, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, I I played against this and have had this in a deck in the preview event, and it's just like, I think, you know, it, it's pretty scary, and I just think these effects when on bodies tend to be much better than Relics that do nothing on their own
2: yeah I think upgrader is good, but I think it's a lot better if you have a lot of um if you have a lot of evasion in your deck already because it is a three two for four by itself uh it does give itself a bonus if your opponent lets it through so it's not just other units uh so it's i think it's extremely good in some decks but it's not really that versatile of a card mm-hmm all right then hats what are your uh, i have as my number one shadow path intimidator and i uh, i talked about it a little bit earlier uh it's a two shadow two two um and its summon ability is an enemy unit of your choice can't block this turn or a player of your choice discards the top two cards of their deck i think that plays into the um the units going to your void theme um that uh, that argent port kind of has but also just uh, hardly anything has this ability um, where it says an enemy unit just can't block this turn. There's the Fire 4-1, um, which is like super boosted in the draft packs right now that exhausts an enemy unit when it comes into play. That doesn't work on endurance units. Shadow Path Indemnator works on endurance units. Um, and I, I, I could be... Uh, I could be wrong about this long term, but um, right now because it plays so well in aggressive stone scar decks, and then its uh, discard ability plays well in like film and Argent Port, um, I, I just think it's sort of a, a, an underrated workhorse uh, in Shadow. Um, and also, it's a two drop, and good two drops are good. Uh, I have Glen Pathcutter as my number two. Um, maybe it should be number 1 cuz pathcutter is really great um, and it's one of the best one drops they've ever they've ever done probably and then i have the rune of illusion as number 3
1: and yeah yeah and i had Glenn pathcutter's number 1 that card is obviously very good i put ransack in here just to to, to swing it up a bit cuz there is a lot of war cry and there are stealth units that can be warcried, and then there are like the other effect, like retrofitted, retrofitted sentinel that that pumps the, the top thing, um, unit or weapon, which is not quite the same as warcry. Um, so drawing a couple cards off your opponent's deck, if you time it very well, could kind of ruin their game plan. Um, also lets you discard sigils. I'm looking to, for ways to get rid of sigils since we don't have blender. Um, I rarely plundered things into sigils, so at this point I'm looking for a way to kind of replace that effect in the other way. Um, plus, if I just built a terrible deck, Ransack uh, will draw me cards that are better than everything in my deck, I suppose, if my opponent's better than me. <laughs> uh, and then I did put Minister of Abeyance, which Hats brought up earlier, the 4-Shadow the 2-2 two, two Flying that amplifies 4 to kill an enemy unit. Um just because, again, I think that flyers will be at a premium in this format. So paying four for a 2-2 flyer, not that amazing, but uh, it's better than no flyers at all, I guess.
2: I, I also want to point out that Ransack uh, is one of the few ways that you can discard one of your cards that likes being discarded without it being card disadvantage as well. Like, uh, the Alchemist gives you like a plus-two Warcry, um, but if you're discarding it from your hand, you're still losing a card for a future benefit, whereas with Ransack, you, you draw a couple of cards to replace it, so you're not losing it's, uh It's one of the best ways, if you have a very heavy discard-themed deck, to, to get rid of a card without, without falling behind on card advantage.
1: Yeah, that is a great point. Or, you know, like our other favorite uh, Glynn Pathcutter, if it's turn six or something, maybe you don't need that 2-1. You'd rather just buff something and draw some cards.
2: Yeah, so and by the way, Minister of Abeyance, a real good uh, card to give that Glenn Pathcutter bonus to because when it comes down <laughs> as a 4-2, it starts looking real strong.
0: Yeah, <laughs> true story. Yeah, I think Minister of Abeyance can be very good. It'll depend on how often your ducks are getting to 8-power, I think is the big question. Okay. All right, so that is all our comments. I've been overruled here by hats. Yeah. He wants to save save all our spicy, hot, uncommon takes till next episode or maybe one in the future um, because we are running a little long here. So I will acquiesce and do that so I can go to bed. Um, <laughs> <I> SAT word. <laughs> any final thoughts? Who does that on on the format or anything
1: that stands out to you? Uh, I mean, at my first impressions, is it is that it does feel pretty fast and aggressive. Like we'll see how that plays out. Um, but just the the valor mechanic in general, um, I think kind of leads towards that. Uh, it looks fun, so I'm excited for that. And I'm just waiting to see if I start to get annoyed by stealth units or not, because. Again, like I said, I don't want to have to do much homework and like figure out what you've got before you've got it. So I'm just gonna just play like I normally play and see how it works for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's what I keep telling myself because stealth kind of seems like it could be annoying, but I'm like, well, it's probably better than ambush. Like, if or like better is in better for you, where it's I think it's a having stealth is worse than having ambush. And I don't mind ambush as a mechanic. So I'm hoping I don't mind stealth as a mechanic.
2: I think the key with stealth is that the different factions use stealth differently. Um, And so you don't need to know exactly what each... uh, Like, in my mind right now, and this will evolve over the course of the format if I don't get sick of it, uh, is that, like, the different, like, shadow... Shadow stealth units you probably don't want to let hit your face, uh, in general. But they also aren't very large, so you can probably effectively block them. Time units tend to have big butts, so it's a little bit you got to uh, you got to factor that in when you are trying to trade with them. Um, like uh, primal units are a l- little bit all over the place, but they tend to be small for their cost. Uh, except for the five cost ones, which are which are just a beating. Um, anyway, the, there's things that, uh, and then justice ones attack very well. You know, like there's uh, there's some themes there that gives you some guidelines on how to defend against them. And uh, of course, if your opponent has two or or God forbid three factions of influence when they play a stealth card, then you just kind of have to balance things in your mind. What what are they capable of? Um, and then, if you can't narrow it, narrow it down at all, then just hope for the best. <laughs> hope that you guess right. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I find it, uh, I, I do find the mechanic pretty annoying to deal with because it is a lot of mental space that you have to devote to knowing like, not only what the fast tricks are in the format, but also what the stealth units are. Um, but more than that, it's that it gives such a huge advantage to the person who goes first because they're very likely going to be able to play a stealth unit uh, one, uh, on their turn and then you have to figure out how to counter that. Um, and that, that was the problem with Morph back in the day too, is that the person who played the first stealth unit had a, a, a huge advantage over the person who got to react to that stealth unit with their own or with removal or something. Um, and that is how it's been playing out for me, is the person who goes first has a larger advantage that they, than they normally do, and it's always a bit of an advantage. So that part's annoying. Um, learning to deal with that is is going to be interesting, as well as having a, uh, a two-drop that is as strong as Ursa's squadron makes going first in this format really, 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 really strong.
0: All right, so do you have any final thoughts, Hats?
2: Uh, no, I think we really covered a lot of ground. Um, I, I'm excited to figure out how to play something other than Fire, Justice, and Shadow because those do st- seem initially very powerful um, and aggressives. So, like, the Port aggressive deck, the Stonescar aggressive deck, and the Ricanos aggressive deck are, are so good that I think you kind of have to... It, it's hard to get away from from doing that right now. Um, but I do think that the other... That the other Faction combinations have potential, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult to sort of solve the puzzle on how to make them good. Uh, although I have a, an Elysian deck that's doing really well right now, but it's not its not easy. It's not doing well easily. I, all of my <laughs> games with it are like these incredible log grind fests. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I, even though I don't really like the main mechanics, Valor, and Stealth very much for limited play... Um, I think there's plenty to unravel and investigate. So I I am kind of looking forward to that.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I guess my, my final thoughts are justice seems really, really strong both in the common and uncommon slot. And there aren't many other um, colors that can say that. So that's kind of the color I'm looking to find my way in, uh, you know, as a, as I begin to explore this format.
2: Well, as long as you're still still being offered eighth pick Ursa squadrons, you can find your way in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: hope so. I hope that's how my first draft goes.
0: Alright. So I think we'll end our show there. Thanks, Katz. Um so that's our show. It's <laughs> <laughs> a cliffhanger. I turned I turned this
2: I turned this um, otherwise normal episode show
0: success, and for those of you who are not patrons, uh, like hats, a reminder to give us a five star rating review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show description, as well as please give thumbs up to all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts um, promoting the show. It helps people find the show because there are some people on Reddit who don't know about the podcast and. Having it be on the front page for longer is very helpful. And also, especially with the new format here, don't forget to send in all of your 7-1 decks you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night.
2: Thanks again for being a guest who does that.
0: Thanks
2: for having
0: me. Glad to be here.
2: Good Good night. Good night.
0: Oh, crushed it, guys. Way to save me for not thanking our guest, Hots. Yeah,
2: backing you up, man. I know. I'm filling in the gaps. The worst,
1: never coming back. (laughs) What a horrible host.